Hello, and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. My name is Alex Williams, and today I'm joined by one of my old friends, Emma Patterson. Emma's fantastic, and she knows how to take charge, and she was worried that she would talk too much, but unfortunately, the rough internet connection definitely kept her from talking too much. Uh, so just a heads up, as you listen to this episode, there are a few parts that might make a little less sense because the internet in rural Idaho is not fantastic. Uh, but with that said, please enjoy this conversation, and more importantly, take some time out of your day today to listen to someone in your life and enjoy that conversation. Emma Patterson, welcome to My Wax Museum. Thank you. So as you know, uh, we start off saying how we know each other. Uh, if you have any stories of like how we first met, uh, now is the time to share them. Well, so because I listened to the show, I knew that this was going to, I knew you were going to ask me. Yeah. And I, I started thinking about it and I, I cannot for the life of me remember exactly how it happened because we were in such a very similar social circle. So mm -hmm. I don't remember if I met you through Jerrica, because I was really good friends with Sierra yeah. and then Jerrica and then you by association. Mm -hmm. But then I'm also really good friends with Alandra, your sister. And like, I don't, I don't know who I met first. Yeah. And so I don't know if you remember this either. No, I, so, but I, I have like a few memories of like, this was early in my relationship with Emma. Um, so I, re I remember going to your house once, um, and we, I feel like it was like the only time I've ever been to your house other than, um, like later after we were already graduated and stuff and we like played games or something. And then yeah. that's when your parents started calling, calling me baby Alex. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then I don't uh, remember, but I, re I remember it might've been actually, Maybe at one of like the Cranes parties. That might have been it. But, yeah, like I don't think I actually became friends with you as an individual. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. as bad as that sounds, I think I became friends with you by association with other people that were all in a similar friend group. Yeah, and that's yeah. why it's hard for me to remember. But I remember that it, we then became friends one on one because I remember I came over one time and we played ping pong in your basement, and um, uh, there would be other times where we would just hang out and. I mean, even now as we're adults, like if I see you, we talk for, you know, 45 minutes, an hour. Yeah. If you were at my parents' house randomly when I wasn't there and then I showed up. Yeah. Like, I think it that's... Just is kind of funny. And my yeah. parents still call you baby Alex. Like... Yeah. <laughs> and I still call them mama and papa pats. Uh, yeah. That's just how it works. Yeah. And it, so it's, it's interesting to see because I guess we've probably known each other for about 10 years now. Um. And so I was going to say almost 10 years. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see how just how that um, kind of how that started. And it's just through association with people. And that's kind of just how you meet people, right? You're like, oh, we were at the same thing one time and then we got chatting and, you know, now we're friends. Yeah. Well, it all worked out great because, yeah, because I remember we would come over and play Dance Dance Revolution in your basement. Yes. Yeah. Or... Um, I think I invited you to my after grad party yeah. and yeah, it just worked out in the best way, I think. Yeah. But I, yeah, no, I, 
I couldn't tell you exactly. I couldn't pin. You cut out there again. Um, oh, no, I think I lost you. Oh, sorry. Am I back? Yes, you are. Okay. Idaho internet, yeah. man. Not great. Um, but yeah, you, you couldn't pinpoint exactly, exactly when we met, which is like the case with anybody, you know, or most people. Um, so why don't, why don't you tell me, uh, where are you from originally? We moved a bunch when I was young. So after I was born, very shortly thereafter, we moved to a very small town up in Northern Alberta called Fox Creek. Yeah. So we stayed there for a couple of years. Um, the biggest thing that happened while we were there was they opened up the first fast food restaurant, which was Subway. And this is a very famous story in our family. But my dad was like watching over us kids by himself because my mom and some sisters in their ward had gone to like time out for women or whatever. So they were out of the house the whole weekend. So my dad took me and my brothers and like our neighbors and their kids. And we all stood in line at Subway to like when it opened and we all got like three six inch subs or whatever. Hmm. And like, that was like my dad's like big, like parent bonding moment when we were young there really? is we all stood in line for the Subway and it was like a big deal. And was it like, what was it that big of deal for you? Like, did you feel that as a kid? I was, two years old I think at the time so I don't remember it but it was really big for the community and so like people talk about that like my dad tells that story all the time you uh your your dad like this was like a big moment moment for your family subway opening (laughs) yeah which sounds very lame in hindsight but like it was like that's a story that we tell all the time and and then how long were you in Fox Creek for? Um, about two years. Okay. And then we moved to like Vancouver metropolitan area. So really? we lived in Port Coquitlam. And so we were there for a couple of years. That's where, well, that's where my brother Joel was born. Was oh. in like the Richmond hospital or whatever. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my youngest sibling is the only one who's not born in Alberta. He was born in Vancouver area. Huh. That's interesting. And then how long were you there for? Again, a couple of years. Yeah. And then we moved back to Calgary for me to start kindergarten. So I was four or five. Okay. And then um, and then, did you live in Calgary like the whole rest of your growing up? Yes, until I was 18. Okay. And so uh, tell me a little bit about growing up in Calgary because it's a big city. Everybody has kind of different experiences. What was it like for you? Um, That's a good question. I mean... We we lived in the southeast part of the city. So, um, I mean, me and my brothers, we all had a paper route that we would do. And we spent a lot of time as kids. We spent a lot of time running around outside and around our neighborhood because everything was close. Like the school that we went to was three blocks away. Mm-hmm. So we would ride our bikes over to the school and play on the playground and I remember us because I have three brothers yeah we would spend a lot of time playing games and doing things outside when we could because when we were inside it was a little too close quarters for us I think (laughs) um and we just got along better when we had um you know a physical outlet other than each other (laughs) yeah 
did you guys did you guys like fight a lot i would say as like the four of us we would never really fight amongst ourselves but we did in small groups like i i was not very kind to my younger brother (laughs) i don't think um and then my two i don't think so i i was mean to joel i would beat up joel i wouldn't beat up joel but i i asserted my dominance over joel pretty quickly huh i i remember like in high school you adored joel so did it change like between like from when you were younger to when you were older yeah i mean i always have really liked joel like i think of the four of us me and joel have the closest sibling relationship Mm -hmm. um and we're the most similar but when we were younger like if he annoyed me i i pushed his head into a wall you know it's just kind of how we did things um Hmm. You know, like I was the older sibling, so what I said goes kind of thing. Right. And I think part of that is is because the four of us, when we all lived together, always had a pretty intense competition. And so when my older brothers kind of went on their missions and moved out to university, there's a bit of a gap between myself and the next oldest sibling of about four years. So by the time I was in high school and Joel was in, you know, junior high, our older siblings were gone. And I think that kind of calmed some of those um, competitive feelings. Hmm. Plus then again, we were older, right? Right. Like I'm talking when I was like 12 and Joel was nine. Well, you know, I I was the one that was in charge. (laughs) Right. I mean, so you kind of, I mean, you really do have that like, uh, uh, in charge kind of personality. And I think you get it from your mom. Like, this is what I've noticed. Like you guys have a lot of the same mannerisms and you're really good at like taking charge of a situation. Um, are there, were there any times like, and I mean, that's me, maybe me just like, you know, seeing something in you, I don't know. But, um, did you, did you feel like you did that a lot? Uh, growing up, even just outside of your sibling relationships? Yes, I guess I've never thought about it, but I guess that that's very true. I um, I would say I have a very maternal personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I'm labeled as the mom, quotations, in basically every friend group I've ever been in. Right. I'm the one who kind of just takes care of everyone and makes sure that everyone is doing okay and as a result I tend to take more of that leadership I guess um because I think that I know what's best mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah I would say in most in most situations I like to be I like to be the facilitator or the decision maker I guess because then I know that I will get things done or I will accomplish them the way that I need them to be mm-hmm. um, and I end up making friends with a lot of people who are more passive and so that's kind of a natural position for me to take so hmm. I guess in some ways it just kind of works out that way yeah and I mean and uh, and I th- I think it's a good thing somebody has to make the decision right nothing's harder than standing <laughs> in a group of friends where do we want to eat you know um yeah and and so uh what what's kind of been I don't know is there somewhere that you you see that's kind of come up or were were there any experiences where you think that that kind of that that kind of came from or was it just like a you decided you know 
that you're going to be that way. Okay. What I, okay. I have to be a little bit delicate about how I, so Mm -hmm. when, when I was young, um, my family went through kind of a a period of time that was quite a struggle for us as a whole family Mm -hmm. and kind of how the dynamics worked is my parents were dealing with one facet of this and my older siblings were dealing with another facet of what was going on and my younger brother was a little too young to really kind of understand or be engaged with kind of what was happening and so I was kind of left in this middle zone of trying to help my older siblings who were struggling and my parents who were also like I kind of and I remember this very distinctly, but I remember I really felt like I was trying to hold things together because all of these pieces were kind of breaking apart. Right. And I was young. I was about 11 or 12 at the time. Okay. And I remember so distinctly, you know, these feelings of I have to, you know, I have to keep the peace. I have to keep people together. I have to, you know, step up and, and make sure that all of these things are taken care of. Um. And I don't remember, I don't remember being like that before that time. Cause I was, you know, I was 10, I was messing around doing whatever I wanted right. to do kind of, but I think that was kind of the first time that I was tested in that way, I guess. And so I think from there that kind of just led into, and you know, I had, I've had, I don't know if this is a, a, a subtle brag, but I had a lot of challenges when I was, a teen and kind of growing up from that point. Mm-hmm. And so I think that kind of starting point of me trying to, you know, keep people together and kind of create that um, mm-hmm. filtered through as I grew up and kind of went through other trials and experiences. And then that kind of shaped me, I guess, now as an adult who is very um, abrasive, perhaps. <laughs> but it's just, I, I am very much like that. I have a very um, internalized um, center of control that I, that I really try to maintain. Right, right. And I, I mean, so... I don't know if that's too deep or heavy. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's perfect. I mean, I, uh, I, I've known you for a while, and one thing that I've always appreciated about our friendship is that you're honest. Like, I know that if I ask you a question, <laughs> you're, you're not going to beat around the bush. You're going to be straightforward and honest with me. Um, and I know, uh, I know people in general appreciate that about you. Um, because we need that, like we need somebody who's not going to BS us. Right. And, uh, and so I think that's something that I appreciate about you. And also you're, you're very fun loving too, though. Like, I think, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of no nonsense in the way that you have expectations and you're very straightforward about them and you're very frank with people, but you're, you're good to have fun with. So what do you do um, when kind of, I guess when you're not taking charge and maybe you are taking charge when you're having fun, but like, <laughs> how do you, how do you have fun? <laughs> wow. If I had a nickel for every time somebody asked me that, um, <laughs> No, so I um I have a lot of I guess creative outlets that I so when I'm not working or uh those kinds of things I I really really love photography and mm-hmm. videography and 
Um, I'm a big like DIY crafter. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I, I really enjoy kind of like those quiet um, outlets because, I mean, I'm an introverted person. So right. I like to spend time by myself. Um, but if I'm going out with people, I'm, I'm the same. I like going out for a fun meal. I like um, playing. I really love cards. Um, me and my friends, I really love mini golf. Really? <laughs> um, I feel like I'm giving my like dating profile now. I like <laughs> long walks on the beach, mini golf and frozen yogurt. Like that's my, like my perfect date is definitely like mini golf and frozen yogurt. It's like not too long. It's social enough and you get a nice treat afterwards regardless yeah. of how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Uh, so, so you like these quieter activities and mm -hmm. which, which makes sense. Um, but I never, so I never thought of you as an introvert, like, um, I know be, because I, you know, because of our friendship, I've seen you in those more outwardly reactions. So is that, um, like those activities, those quieter activities that you enjoy, um, that's kind of like your mm -hmm. way to recharge kind of thing. Yeah. So I, yeah. Interesting that you would say that. So I would say I didn't really understand. I think a lot of my life as a teen, mm -hmm. you know, you go out, you're trying to be social, you're trying to be cool. You're trying to, you know, be like the it person while you're in like junior high, high school, whatever. Mm -hmm. When you become an adult, you realize that, you know, everyone is going at way different speeds and has way different goals. And it's a lot harder to kind of, compare yourself to other people in your peer group because now everyone is going in so many different directions. Right. And because of that, I started, you know, paying a little bit more attention to how I was doing or um, those kinds of things. And I realized how stressful people are for me. Hmm. <laughs> like, um, and I hadn't really stopped and thought about that for a long time. Um, and so as I kind of got older, I was going through university, I was working full time and I was kind of starting to better balance my life into what I wanted it to be. Right. I was noticing that, you know, I don't like going out, you know, to big house parties and um, that kind of thing. And just kind of doing a little research and, and some things like that, I have learned that I am definitely more on the introverted scale. Hmm. I believe when I kind of like did a test, I'm an ambivert, so I'm in the middle, right. but I have very introverted tendencies, so right. I consider myself an enthusiastic introvert. And if I'm going out, I'm going hard, 110%, but on the flip side, if I'm like staying in, I'm going in 110%, like not speaking to another soul. It's kind of opposite ends of the extreme. Huh. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I like that enthusiastic introvert. Um, yeah, because like you've seen me at parties. Like if I'm at a party, I'm the center of attention. I am. Yeah. You know, like I'm making everybody laugh. I'm doing. You know, I'm putting on the full full thing. But then on the flip side, if I have like a night home or like a night in that I've scheduled for myself, there is nothing that will make me leave that house for the yeah. next like twelve hours. Like I commit to the bit. So, so yeah, just kind of interesting. Yeah. Do you, do you schedule, uh, alone time like that often? No, I, I will always 
say yes if someone tries to schedule something to me and I'm yeah. available. Um, but if, you know, it's like Monday and I see that like Wednesday I have a free evening, right. I might protect that. I'll never schedule it off. But if someone was like, hey, I'm available, like let's do this thing either Tuesday or Wednesday and I have an opening on Tuesday, I'll be like, you know what? I prefer Tuesday. And then I kind of can schedule it. So I never, yeah, I wouldn't say I ever like put in my calendar free night. Right. But there are times that I might kind of say, you know, I have like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, super busy. I might not go to that party on Friday and I'll stay home kind of thing. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I, and I mean, you need that alone time. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, as an extrovert or introvert, right? Like people need them themselves. Um, but then uh, you mentioned photography. Now, that's something I remember mm-hmm. you getting into in high school. You were super into photography. Um, yeah. And so what what got you into it? And then kind of where is that hobby at now? Is it still something that you enjoy as much? Um, I don't really remember what. I just remember when I was like a young teen, young mm-hmm. teen Emma, um, my mom had one of those like point and shoot Canon camera like pixel whatever you know like the one that's like three inches long and whatever and I would take that and I would like to take pictures of like flowers and nature and and things like that or I was kind of interested in how could I make things that I was doing look more interesting Hmm. so kind of like now in hindsight more of that lifestyle photography of like how people live their everyday lives I just kind of wanted in, in some ways, it was an insecurity of mine. I wanted to make my life look more interesting or more appealing, I guess, in some ways, so that people thought that I was cooler or whatever, right? Hmm. Um, but so I kind of decided that that's something that I really wanted to try. And yeah, I my parents bought me a little point and shoot. And then when I was in high school, so I had my point and shoot for years. And I would just take pictures of what I wanted to and what I was doing. And I did some video and and stuff like that. And then when I was in high school, my parents, my dad took me to Best Buy and we picked out like the very last Canon Rebel XS that Hmm. was out of model by the time I bought it. So it was like $400. Yeah. And he said, you know, I'll split this with you 50-50 if this is something that you're like really interested in doing. He yeah. said, I'll help you. So um, I I saved up and I spent my 200 bucks or whatever. And, and my dad paid the other half. And I got a, a very basic Canon XS Rebel and an 18 to 55 millimeter um, zoom lens. And that kind of took off. And then I, I felt very professional. You know, I had, mm-hmm. I had my Canon, you know, professional camera. And so I... I took photography in high school for fun and I photographed my friends and um, I did my very first engagement session when I was in grade 11 for my really? brother who was getting married. Yeah. Um, my brother, my oldest brother, Zach was getting married and they were like, do that. And I did it for free, obviously, yeah. because I had no idea what I was doing. And I think ultimately they asked me because, you know, I was cheap and available. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But they ended up turning out really well. I'm still very proud of those photos to date. Really? I, from where 
where I was. I, I saved them and I'm still really proud of kind of what I was able to do when I was that age. Huh. Um, and now like I got booked for a wedding in July, photographing Trevor Gregson's wedding in July. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I am. Nice. <laughs> so like, so why? No, I said nice. Oh, I heard why. No, I'm like, because no, no. he asked me to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so now, like, it's a source of income for me. It's not an aggressive uh, income for me. Like, yeah. it's, it's not like I book every weekend. Um, I still mostly do it as a hobby for fun. Um, I never really intended it to be my full-time job. It's not something I feel like I could do full-time. Mm-hmm. But, like, I really do enjoy you know, getting out, meeting people, trying new and weird stylings for things and um, kind of developing that skill because it is kind of a fun thing to share with other people, right? Like, it's fun to take pictures of people and have them say, oh, wow, like, that looks really cool. I really like how that looks or, you know, like, um, post-processing, like, editing is really fun to me. And just kind of the overall like social aspect of it is just really enjoyable. So it's a hobby that I sometimes make money with ultimately. Isn't that the best? It is kind of nice because then I'm not reliant on it for my income. So I feel no pressure to make it into something that it's not for me. I can just truly enjoy it for how it is. And and so um, I'm I'm really pleased to see that you've continued uh, doing that. So what are you shooting on now? Oh, I'm still pretty basic. I shoot on a, a Canon T3i right now. Okay, yeah. Um, mostly with a 50, 50 millimeter fixed, mm-hmm. um, or my telephoto fifty five to two forty. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it it delivers ultimately what I am trying to achieve. Right. Although I have for some time now started kind of saving up to get a, a nicer. Like I'm looking at a Canon 60 or a 70. Okay, yeah. Um, but I don't quite have the savings just yet to drop, you know, a couple thousand on a camera body. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, but yeah. That's I would like... like to upgrade and take myself to the next level. I just can't at the moment. Yeah, it's a it's a long term commitment, especially when you're just doing it as a hobby mostly too. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to justify that kind of investment for a fun thing, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not easy. Um, but then, so, okay. So that's, that's your hobby. Um, mm-hmm. let's, let's dive in a little bit, like what you do for work. And I want to hear, um, like how you got there, like what your schooling experience was like as well. So if you want to like kind of take us through that experience and then land at work. <laughs> okay, sure. So. Um... And I appreciate that you just let me talk because I will. I just talk forever. I like to talk about myself. Everybody does. <laughs> true. That's true. I should listen more. Wow. I should take your advice to heart. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 18. And I lived, I lived in Greece for six, seven, eight weeks. Um, before I started post-secondary. So when I got back, I moved to Edmonton, which is where I live now. And 
I, I went to McEwen University. Uh, I did a degree, I did a Bachelor of Commerce degree majoring in human resources. So um, a lot of, I had, a, I had a great time. I loved going to school at McEwen. I think sometimes smaller universities get a bad rap, but yeah. I really, really enjoyed my time. There's a really strong LDS community at McEwen and in Edmonton in general. So I made a lot of really good LDS friends. Yeah. Um, I made a lot of really good, um, you know, non-LDS friends as well that I have maintained now, you know, being graduated for two, three years. Um, so I really enjoyed university. I strongly recommend university for everyone. Hmm. I think I think it's an amazing growth opportunity. Yeah. Um, and while I was there, I decided to do, you know, a study abroad program. So I applied and I was accepted. And I went and I lived in Austria for eight months-ish. Um, where I studied universities there. And then I also got to travel and um, meet people and have some really, really cool experiences, both like in an educational sense and also in a very personal, you know, life experience way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I came back from Austria, I was in my third year, third year going into fourth year of university. Um, I decided to uh, run for the students association at my school. So, um, I mean, most schools, this is familiar to most people has have like a student's union or a student's association. And um, at our students association, they have five executive positions that you run for, for election. And I decided, you know, I was, I, that's something that I wanted to try. I didn't anticipate that I would win. But I wanted to do it. So I ran my election and I was successful. I was elected. Um, I was the toughest position. I was running against five other people. Really? Um, and yeah, and I won by 50, by 72 votes, I think. Really? Nice. So not by much, but I was still very, I, I remember I got the results. I cried. I fell on the floor and cried in the really? middle of my university library. It was very embarrassing. <laughs> Were there people watching? I was really like, excited. Did see that? Oh, yeah. It was like 4 p.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> there were people walking past who were just like, is she okay? And my friend who was with me, she was like, yeah, she's fine. Just keep walking. Like, nothing to see here. So um, I, I kind of want to pause the story there and find out like um, yeah. a little more um, why that meant so much to you. Like what, why did that impact you like that? I think there, I think it was a couple things. One, running an election campaign is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So we run our campaigns for nine, nine school days. So Monday to Friday and then Monday to Thursday the next week. Okay. And, you know, they to really be successful, you have to do a lot of, you know, walking around campus, talking to students, you know, campaigning one-on-one. And that takes just a lot of time and a lot of energy. And as someone who, you know, I'm, I don't really, I have a hard time with people as an introverted person that just really took it out of me. So Mm -hmm. I think just the kind of acknowledgement of all of the work that I put in and I was successful was, just a really relieving feeling. Hmm. Um, 
I also think partly I was really excited because I won, right? Yeah. It's fun and feels good to win something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of it too is, you know, that position I knew and know now fundamentally changed, you know, the course of course of my life, you know, and how I developed as a person and where my career ended up kind of taking off and, and some of those things. And, um, and so I knew that from that day on, my life was going to be different, hmm. um, maybe in small ways, maybe in large ways, but I knew that that was, that was, a you know, that's a milestone in my life. Right. Um, and I recognized that and yeah, also it, yeah, it just was really nice to win. <laughs> yeah. Like it just, it felt so relieving that after all of the work and effort that I put in that I, I accomplished what I set out to do. And that felt really really good to do yeah that is awesome um and and it's always nice to have one of those satisfying moments where something impacts you in such a way that like that you can't contain your emotions right um yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and so uh kind of continuing on with your university experience kind of what was next well so i i started my executive job so um the job of executive is a full-time salaried position. So I started working full-time um, as the vice president of operations and finance is my mm-hmm. title. So I was CFO for all intents and purposes of this organization. And um, and it sounds insignificant, but I like I was the CFO of a you know multi-million dollar nonprofit organization yeah um so so i went to work every day you know nine to five and i dealt with issues and problems that arguably someone of my age and experience has no right dealing with you know yeah um it's a very kind of unique position for someone to be in and um you know some of the things the biggest thing that i dealt with during that job was our uh, student association, we were building a new building on our university campus. So okay. um, a lot of universities have, you know, like a student union building or, or whatever. Um, our university didn't have anything like that. And so we were building a new building. So it was over $30 million. Wow. And that, that fell under my portfolio. I was now the project head for this $30 million um, capital project like that, like overnight. Yeah. Because that's how it works. So I went into work on my first day, you know, I had done lots of extensive, you know, job shadowing and training with the person who held my position prior, but basically I walked in day one and they were like, okay, so, you know, we have to pour the foundation for this building and this is how much it costs. And these are for the projections and it's going to take the next, you know, two years. And, we have to meet about it every week and I hope you have construction knowledge. And I said, I don't have any, you know, like it was quite a a surreal experience. And now coming out of that, I mean, I make jokes to my like architect that we worked with that I would be the worst person to like work with when building a house because I understand how things work now. Yeah. So I'll be like, uh, no, I don't like this T bar. I would like the, uh, I would like the, uh, you know, the second grade of the T bar, and I would like it in this. Like, I just, I have like that weird construction knowledge that 
I would never have had prior to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's a totally like, <laughs> it's interesting cause that's not what you're going to school for. And it's just kind of something no. that wound up happening and some new information you got on the job. Yeah. So I, I was the executive, I was the vice president of operations and finance for one year and I decided to run for reelection because there were still a lot of things that I was working on in my portfolio um, that I wanted to see through, mostly the building, um, mm -hmm. because I came in right at the groundbreaking. And theoretically, if the schedule had stayed the same, I would have been there until substantial completion. So I was kind of wanting to see that building from beginning to end. Yeah. Um, I was still working on some other things. So I ran for re-election and I was re-elected nice. by 35 votes. Really? Which was very scary. Yeah. Yeah, but I made it. Thank goodness. Um. And so I, I served a second term. And while I, like, as executives, we still have to go to school. So we go to one class a semester. Um, so I graduated um, while I was an executive. So okay. um, that was really exciting. I got to walk the stage. Um, and then I worked my second term as an executive just doing a uh, Bachelor of Arts undeclared because I still had to be a student in order to have my job. Right, right. So I, I left office officially in 2019, almost like this time last year, May 1st was my, was my first day of freedom last year. Okay. And how did it feel yeah. to be done? Uh, very overwhelming. It's, it's a lot of emotion that you feel. Um, these jobs, and I can only speak to my own experience, but I would say that my job really took over my life. You know, like being a CFO of a large organization, your your job is your life, right? Mm -hmm. And so I lived my job for two years. And unfortunately, I had to, I had some relationships that withered. Um, I had some priorities that took over and I lost some people along the way. That was really tough. Um, I I came out of it a completely different person. Um, and so I felt really grateful because I was, I was done. Two years is a lot to do a job like that. Mm -hmm. And so I felt really, really relief that like oh finally this isn't my problem it was really sad but like something that you know the building hadn't been completed the schedule had been delayed and so the person who was taking over for me who had been elected they would be carrying that on right and there was some real stuff mine is no longer mine and it's out of my control Mm -hmm. So it was kind of this, yes, I'm free, take a nice deep breath of fresh air, but at the same time, man, I wish I could stay because I loved what I did and loved the people that I worked with and, and I was never going to have something like that again. Hmm. So it was kind of a weird, weird time in my life. I, I didn't really know how to navigate that. So I, I guess then, because um, obviously that's almost a year ago now. Um, so how did you end up navigating it? So I finished the first of May. So I decided that, you know, financially I was in a position that I didn't have to work. 
And after kind of the last two years, you know, I've really challenged, like a very challenging, grueling time. I kind of, for, you know, my own mental well-being, just because I was going to work and I was going to take my home, I spend a lot of time with my friends. Um, I did some really fun, you know, creative photography projects. Um, and I planned a month and I backpacked across six different countries. Hmm. And just just because I wanted to. Yeah. And um, I finally came back in September. And September was when I started looking for work to start working. Did you did you feel like that backpacking trip helped you uh, like get through that and kind of just like ease your mind a little bit to get ready for the next step? Travel is a very therapeutic exercise for me. I've I've been able to I've been very fortunate that I've been to about twenty countries over the last mm, seven years, mm-hmm. um, and. It's something that I find a lot of joy in and something that I feel really enriches my life experience. And so I I also kind of saw it as, you know, I'm taking four months off on purpose. If I'm not going to utilize it to do, to like travel and see things, um, then maybe I'm wasting my time. Because right. the minute you start working, those opportunities are few and far between, right? So I kind of said, you know, you have all of this time, go in and use it to do what you really want to do. So it did help because I just remember feeling so at peace and so personally um, fulfilled and satisfied um, and kind of, you know, recognizing that, you know, this is kind of the last, this is, this, this is my moment. And then when I return, I have to kind of get back to reality, right? So it mm-hmm. kind of was a way of closing off my my summer, you know, my summer of freedom, so to speak. And that felt very, um, I, I received a lot of closure from that, kind of my big last hurrah. And then um, coming home and then kind of getting back into the, the work grind, so to speak. And then now being back kind of on that grind, how does it feel to like, do you feel like, you know, this is the path? Do you feel good? Do you feel settled? Like what's, what's your experience like? I, I really am enjoying myself. Um, so when I got back in September, I kind of started looking for jobs. Not really. It wasn't until kind of October, November that I was like, oh, my financial situation is a little bit more, um, precarious I maybe should be you know a little more serious about my job search mm-hmm. so that's when I started being a little bit more um, attentive to that and uh, you know the way job searches go it's hard to find a job in a weekend right so I didn't end up really finding something in my field until um, like and I had gone on interviews and things but the job that I work now I started the first week of February. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've only been working for just over a month. Um, so it was, it's quite an adjustment after being unemployed for, you know, 10 months. Um, it's hard to get back into 
kind of a routine, you know, like getting up at a certain time, packing my lunch for work, getting home at a certain time, having to go to bed at a certain time so I can get up the next day at a certain time, you know, like that routine that was very unfamiliar to me because when you're unemployed and don't have anywhere to go, you, you stay up until 3 a.m. and sleep till 3 p.m. Like it makes no difference. Right. So the biggest challenge for me ultimately was getting used to that kind of routine again. Hmm. Um, but I'm really grateful because being unemployed, you know, you do lose some motivation. You do, you know, you, you lose some of that self satisfaction and um, some of that self self esteem that, you know, working and accomplishing things brings to you. So I was kind of to a place like a lot, like, I just feel, you know, I don't feel motivated or I don't feel confident and I'm not really accomplished anything. I'm just sitting at home all day and, and it was getting to be quite frustrating. Um, and so now that I am able to work and I can go to work and I can put in my time and I can feel accomplished and that I'm doing things and I'm having successes, um, my, my self-esteem and, and some of my, um, some of those kinds of feelings. So now you're kind of getting back into the schedule um, and everything, and mm-hmm. we're going to wrap up the conversation here with uh, how I always kind of wrap it up, uh, which is when you're at the end of your life, looking back on things, what um, what do you feel most satisfied about and what do you feel most proud of? Oh, my goodness. I think one thing that I am, I am truly proud of that I have learned. I mean, I'm, I'm 25 this year. I'm hitting my quarter life crisis this year and I don't know what's going to happen about that, but Mm -hmm. there'll be a breakdown of some kind, but over the quarter century of my life that I've lived, I think one thing that I am really proud of that I've developed is I have been able to become aware of my limits and the boundaries that I have to set with other people Hmm. Um, and recognizing, you know, me as an individual, what I need to be happy. Um, You know, I, I learned about being an introvert and how, you know, all those times I was so tired and miserable. It's because I wasn't taking care of myself properly. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I, traveled because I knew that that's something that I needed to do to to improve my life. So I think one thing that I'm really proud of is that I have been able to really develop a good standing relationship with myself, um, that I understand myself and I know myself better than I think a lot of people do um, as an adult. And that will change, but hmm. I'm really I'm really proud of myself that I've put in that effort to know myself because that will only help as things get more challenging and as I get older. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that's what I would say. And then I guess in terms of um, satisfaction and, and life satisfaction, I think um, going hand in hand with that, because I have really invested in taking care of myself and my happiness, I am able to better invest into other people and building relationships and having those strong connections with other people have really enriched my life. Um, 
And so it really is that if you take care of yourself first, others will follow. And, and I, and I really do believe that that's the case. That's awesome. Um, and, and I, I totally agree with you. Um, but thank you for sharing that. Uh, thanks for being a part of my life and thanks for being on my wax museum. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for listening, not just to the show, but to the people around you and the people in your life. Take some time out today to listen intently to them. Mecco.